We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 17. It says this. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon was previously practiced, had previously practiced sorcery in that city and amazed the Samaritan people while claiming to be someone great. They all paid attention to him, from the least of them to the greatest. And they said, This man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him, because he had amazed them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip Philip everywhere and was was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. Lord, bowing before you, our great King, bowing before you, our Savior, bowing before you, our true God. So Lord, right now, I pray that you would take away anxiety. God, that you would come and fill this room, fill our hearts, fill our minds, fill our spirits, Lord, in this place. Lord, I pray against the enemy right now, all of his works and his effects, Lord, that you would uh, Lord, that you would cast out the spirit of confusion, cast out the spirit of anxiety, cast out the spirit of depression, cast out the spirit, Lord God, of anger and frustration. God, that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit, the spirit of your love, the spirit of grace, the spirit of understanding. God, that you would fill this place with yourself. God, that you would pour out yourself through your word here this morning. Draw us close, God. Deliver us and protect us, God. Have your mind of protecting over our minds. Have your hand on each one of our heads and hearts here this morning. Open up our ears to hear and hear what your spirit is saying to us, your church, here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever felt that there was more to this world? Like you're walking around and looking at the world, watching the news, having relationships and conversations with people, reading the newspaper, whatever it is, social media, and just like, there's got to be something. There's more to this physical and tangible world than just what I'm seeing, reading, and experiencing, hearing. But you don't know how you don't you didn't know how to speak or or feel or even explain it. You, know, you don't even have words to put to it. Well, we need to become more comfortable in this new realm of thinking that I think is 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 starting to take root in our American society. 
we're starting to become more open to it, especially in the church. And I pray more and more that we would be open to this little thing called the Spirit. Not just Holy Spirit, but the Spirit realm. Supernatural. We need to be more comfortable in our everyday conversations, being able to realize more and more, you know, research more and more, discuss more and more, and acknowledge the spiritual realities of our world. Why? Because the world is. The world is much more advanced in their ability to have conversations about the spiritual than even the church. And the spiritual realm belongs to us. We are of God. And because we are of God, we have His Spirit. It's so difficult for Western intellectualism to grasp spiritual realities. All because 300 years ago, a little thing called the, you know, the Enlightenment happened. You know, in the 1600s, in the 17th century, there started, I guess, 400 years ago or so, there began to be this push and this emphasis on knowledge, on wisdom, on reason and logic. And if you can explain it to me, if you can write it down and study it and use the scientific method to prove it, then that's where truth is found. But you can't scientific, scientifically explain the spiritual realm fully. Now, you can study it and understand it through oftentimes through physical, tangible things, right? You ever seen one of those haunted, show, haunted you know, house shows? Anyone ever watched those back in the day, right? I don't know if they're still on, on TV or anything. Remember the little thing that they were using? It was like this like frequency meter. It was like, something, right? Or they'd have like all these monitors around this, this old, old, you know, insane asylum or psycho, you know, psychiatric hospital, whatever it was. And like they were studying and they would, you know, listen and, you know, the white noise and like all these things. And there are ways in which the spiritual realm encounters our physical realm that is studyable through those instruments. And that's a whole nother long conversation as to why I'm not going to go into, into depth here because I want to make, I want to make sure we're, we're, we're staying focused. Yes, staying focused on, on the important things here this morning. I don't want to get too lost in, in the weeds because it, it's super easy for me because I'm a nerd. But, uh, and so, so our Western culture has a difficulty having this understanding of the spirit, of the supernatural, of that which cannot be explained or understood, or replicated, or studied, or controlled by the physical and the tangible. And so what do we, what do, we do in the Western church? We just kind of dismiss it. We're just like, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to hear it, and I don't want to be within 100 miles of anyone who does. I just want to think about my Bible, I just want to pray to Jesus, and just live my life. Cynicism is not a fruit of the Spirit. No. The fruit of the what? The Spirit. spirit. So if we're going to acknowledge that the Spirit is an important aspect of God Himself. Why don't we engage with Him in a spirit of openness to the spiritual? For our walking daily with the Holy Spirit to be a spiritual experience. For our lives to be spiritual. 
because we're afraid of it. We're nervous that we can't control it. Even the, you know, like I said, the fruit of the Spirit is a spiritual statement of the supernatural reality. Whoop. It's good for it. But God and the angels are not the only entities that make up the spiritual realm. But they are the most powerful. The Bible itself, look, I mean, if you think about it, you kind of scan through, if you've got your Bible in front of you, just kind of scan through. Look at it. I mean, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, you know, First and Second Samuel, in the history books, Kings, you know, Chronicles, Psalms, you know, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, all these things, all the, what, the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, you know, Amos, Nahum, Micah, Zechariah, and then the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Acts, right? First Corinthians, all this whole book, and then you'd end with what book? Revelation. This book, even the thing that we say our faith is based around, is so supernatural and spiritual. And the whole thing, from Genesis to Revelation, is all about spiritual warfare. The entire Bible is God's warfare against the enemy. Every single page has spiritual realities and perspectives that we need to get through our thick Western skulls. It's describing a reality as it was, is, and will be. It is a book of spiritual warfare. Think about it. The ten plagues. In this way, God judged the gods of the Egyptians. He didn't judge the Egyptians. He judged the gods that were worshiping. Then you look at the Red Sea. Spiritual reality manifesting in physical realm. Samson and the Philistines. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Jesus healing and casting out demons or evil spirits. The book of Acts. The entire revelation of John is Jesus kicking you know, Satan's butt. The whole Bible is a spiritual warfare reality. The spiritual reality as a true story today as it was back then. Why do we, in our minds, it's almost like we, we chalk it up to fantasy. It's these things that are, oh, this is a cool story. It's a cool story until you live it. Until you see demons being manifested. Like I said, I think last week or a couple weeks ago, one of the things they don't tell you about the Asbury uh, revival is that 70% of the people who went back to the back to be prayed over, 70% manifested a demon. 70% manifested demons in a conservative cessationist school chapel. And they were healed. There's even a video of one in the middle. You know, the girl's like manifesting a demon in the center row and they pull her out to the aisle and they're praying over her and casting out the demon and finally it leaves. And she's delivered. These things are spiritual realities today as they've always been. The gods have returned from of old. And in our country, they have laid foundations alongside the Christian faith. I almost call them supernatural sleeper cells in our country. 
that even before America as a country began, they've been here. Think about this, Montanans. What's, what was the number one, the first building that was built in every new town in the state of Montana? Masonic Lodge. The Masonic Lodge. Freemasonry. Freemasonry built our country. Every single, especially back here, back west here, every town had a Masonic Lodge before they ever had a church. Every town in Montana. And I don't know if you know this. I'm just going to blow the doors right open on this. Freemasonry, the god of Freemasonry is Lucifer. If you know the, 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 the compass, square and compass, the G in the middle of it stands for the great architect. The great architect is Lucifer. Most Masonics don't even know that. They just think it's a nice, you know, fancy, you know, fun, you know, you know, fraternity where they're doing good for their communities. They are a Luciferian cult that has death rituals strewn all the way through it. And everything they do, that they do is about making covenants in the supernatural realm. Every ritual is secrecy and rituals in order to make covenants on the land and to create power structures on the land to have it under the authority of the principalities of darkness by doing that which is good. And they do what's considered in, by humanity to be good. Think about it. Shriners Hospital. Shriners are masons. The 30, you have to be a 32nd level master mason in order to become a Shriner. You know what? The, you know, and you've ever seen like the red fezes? Red hats? The, the, re, the, the, the color red is the blood of saints of the church. And not in a good way. They celebrate the death of Christians. Think about it. All the language on the Shriners is Arabic. It is jihad against Christians. And they wear it proudly. It is demonic. It is evil. It is wicked. It is satanic. It is Luciferian. And God wants to save them. God doesn't hate Masons, which I'm very thankful for because my grandfather was one and my great-grandfather was one. Both of them Shriners. Both of them Shriners. And it's heavily ingrained. I don't know your stories. I don't know how much Freemasonry is, in, is ingrained in your lives and your families and in your histories, but it is something to be renounced and to be rejected. It is the power structure that is taking over our country right now. It is the what's called the, the deep state or the secret government. It is the power structure of the world because it's not only Freemasonry, but you go up the levels into Rosicrucian and Royal Arch and Illuminati. They are ruling and reigning in, in the spiritual realm. That The spirits are reigning, ruling and reigning through the people involved in these organizations. That's not a conspiracy theory anymore. Like I said, the 
the time frame bef between conspiracy theory and conspiracy fact these days is about a couple weeks. Satan is rising up. His followers in the spiritual realm are rising up. The gods have returned from of old. And the world around us is becoming much more receptive to their power, their possession, and their activity. Partnering with them for power. Partnering with them for prosperity. Thinking that they are doing good. But they're initiating evil into our world more and more. And I have a few resources I just kind of want to show you guys. So this, these are the resources that I'm using for my sermon series. Um, specifically, this is one that's becoming more and more heavily used. Uh, but these, 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 I mean, really all four of them are, I use every week. But I want to also show you guys a couple of resources, especially I know this whole conversation around the spiritual realm and the gods is very jarring and can be scary, can be difficult to understand. And so I have some resources that these are kind of the, the main main resources um, recent, have been recently. Um, so this one is is kind of basically my a textbook that I will, I will continually go back to. It's called The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. And he is, so this is his 30 years of of research. So he is a scholar of ancient languages, specifically Hebrew, Sumerian, Egyptian. Um, and he takes all of the spiritual, supernatural um, research from, the, um, uh, you know, realities from the scriptures, and he goes back and he explains them from a linguistic you know, standpoint and a cultural standpoint. Um, he also brings in things that, you know, like uh, the Book of Enoch, and he goes and researches Sumerian paganism and Egyptian uh, paganism, and he puts it all together into an, you know, understandable, well, more so. He's, it's kind of heady, so just be, beware. But it's very, very good. But the next one is, I don't, I don't fully agree with everything he has to say, uh, but this, I think, is a good introduction to what's going on in our country right now. It's called The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. Um, now, be, be, make sure you understand, this is, he is a Messianic Jewish mystic, um, very, uh, in, you know, but he's, he's also got his thumb on what's going on in Israel um, and everything that's going around in that, you know, the spiritual realm within the concept of Israel and, and uh, the connection with uh, Israeli Christianity. Um, but this is a good one. I'm, I'm not very far into it, but I've read his first one, and it's pretty interesting. But so far, this is, he's going in a, in a better direction for us to understand and wrap our minds around the spiritual realm and how it's, it's, it's bursting into our reality. Um, and so conversations about the gods are going to become more and more uh, part of our, our daily conversations with the, with the world and with people. Um, and that will help you understand the news. When you ask yourself, like, why is this stuff happening? That's why. The gods are making a comeback. They're coming back. They're here. They're, they're, they're coming forth. And we need to not only be aware of it, but also know how to engage it. Ask the Lord, how, God, how do you want me to interact with this reality? Because here's the thing. Always, 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 always remember the Holy Spirit of Yahweh is better and more powerful than anyone or anything else 
in this entire world. We have to remember that. No matter what, how, how much you get into researching the, the supernatural realm, no matter how much you get into researching or hearing more and more about Freemasonry and the, and the God, which basically Freemasonry is a new brand as of this, you know, the 18th century, but Freemasonry is ancient Egyptian paganism. It's the worship of Osiris and Isis, Set, Hermes. That's why you see the two pillars on the Masonic lodges and temples. It's the pillars of Hermes and the knowledge, the gnosis of ancient paganism in repackaged for a 21st century. But it's basically, it's, it's ancient Sumerian and Egyptianism to a T. But here's the thing to always remember, no matter how much you get into these, no matter how deep into the weeds you get, you got to pull yourself out with this remembrance that the Holy Spirit of Yahweh is better and more powerful than anyone or anything else in the entire world. And all the gods are weaklings, powerless compared to our God. Our God, like Amberlynn said last week, our God is greater. Our God is greater. Amen? Our God is greater. All the other faiths and religions try to say that there's his creator. And yet all throughout the Bible, we see their gods. Our little itty bitty. And we need to be, have the, uh, the attitude and the posture like Elijah. Oh, where are your, little, where are your gods? Maybe they're asleep. You have to yell louder. Oh, maybe he's going, he, maybe he's going to the bathroom. He'll be out after he wipes. He's like mocking him. I love this attitude toward him. And so when, the, when Islam, when the Muslims yell out, Allahu Akbar, meaning our God is greater, we can say, uh-uh, no, he ain't. Your God is a fallen little G, G God. But here's the thing. They all know revelation. They all know the end. They all know that their blood will be strewn across the ground because of the great double-edged sword that comes out of Jesus Christ's mouth and lays waste to all of their power, all of their authority, all of their... what they think is their power and control. So many... Like I said, there are so many different topics that we could discuss here. And I've been praying through through this, and so I want to get to, to Simon here in a minute. <laughs> but um, but I, I felt like you know, the question was like, what does Shift Church need to know? What does Shift Church need to know here this morning? We have authority. We have authority. Over the Amen. Amen. But first, in order to believe that, we have to remember and realize that there is a real enemy who wants to kill you, who wants to steal your joy, who wants to destroy your lives and your families. They're after you. He is after you. Lucifer is after you. The number one tool at his disposal that he will use is other humans. Is us thinking that humans are the enemy. That the other political side is the enemy. That the Masons are the enemy. That the 
fill in the blank. Like I said, it was a couple weeks ago. That fill in the blank is the enemy. So they're more, therefore, they must be destroyed. I must rail and, and you know, just you know, rave against them. They're not the enemy. Other men and women that God loves and are created in His image and likeness are not the enemy. The real enemy, Lucifer, Satan, his, and his followers will enter into people's minds and deceive them and lure them to think and do things that bring them down into destruction in order to destroy them and destroy the lives of others around them through them. The pagan gods are calling from Santa Fe. But God, but God, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, God, God, Jesus has come so that you may have life and may have it abundantly. Have it to the extent, to the extent of overflowing joy, overflowing flourishing overflowing, yes, I'll use the P word, prosperity. True prosperity. True life. Fully alive. What it really means to be human. The Holy Spirit is given to lead us to eternal life and true flourishing to bring us back into family life with Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, and our big brother, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit empowers you and us to wrestle against the real, the real enemy and to free the captives. We need a couple of volunteers. Susan. Jimmy. You dress, you dress up just for this occasion. I'm scared. I'm scared. Okay. So, because he's in a black suit, um, this is going to be Satan. <laughs> Satan, what's up? Yes. And you are you, the fill-in-the-blank. You are the, the, the person, the human. So go on, head over, head over there. Actually, no, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the victim. You go you're over there. You, you hold that. All right. So, so, Miss Saintly Lady over here wants to destroy Satan. But what does Satan use? Me. The one who God loves. Not just to not become a pastor, but because I'm a human. I am the fill in the blank. I am the other political party. I am this political ruler. I am the neighbor that you just cannot stand because he will not you know, trim his tree. I am that coworker that's hard to work with. I am fill in the blank. The child that doesn't listen. And so she wants to destroy the enemy. Who's the real enemy? The guy behind you. That guy. But you're really not. You're awesome. <laughs> is this the right weapon? No, the word is not. This is not the right weapon. Yeah. What is the right weapon? The Holy Bible. So we lay down the sword of worldly power. And we pick up the real word of God. 
that has power to destroy the enemy. This is, this is not the right weapon. Yet oftentimes this is what we use. Blasting someone on social media. Arguing and, th- and posting and sharing and, and just railing and ranting about the evil people in Washington or Helena or in the city council. Or we destroy people in the marketplace and mock them, make fun of them. Our, our, our attitude is this. This begins here, not just here or, or typing in here, right here. It starts here. So which one are we hiding in our hearts? This or this? Thank, thank you, guys. Because what does it say in Scripture about this? If we're going to talk, use Scripture, we may as well quote Scripture. The salvation and the power, uh, and the, I'm sorry, the, the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that's Satan, that's Lucifer, who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. They conquered Him. How? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. For they did not love their own lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. He knows his time is short. We'll talk about Simon for just a few minutes. And why we can learn from him. And the way that we live our lives and live our faith. He was a Samaritan. People believed in him as the great power of God. Why? He had amazed them with his sorcery, with his magic. But here's the thing. It wasn't like, you know, like Jay Owen House, like the, you know, the magician and like, uh, you know, illusionist that we have even here in Belgrade, right? It wasn't like a David Copperfield, you know, the guy with the magician, the illusionist guy, right? You know, I remember being traumatized because we went and saw one of his shows and he, like he had, it's good for it. He had, he had a lady like, you know, kind of suspended on a, on a spike and all of a sudden, <laughs> I like, ah! kind of freaked me out. But then she like, you know, he got, like, got, her, got her up and off and like, but then I started like drawing pictures of that in school and they like, called my parents in and right. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like an illusionist. This would, this was real power. This was real power. Not a con artist. Not a dog and pony show. He had real power with which he really deceived people. God's people in Samaria. Has probably, yeah, what had happened was that he had probably given himself to the territorial, territorial spirit, which we'll talk about here in, here in a minute. The principality of that region in exchange for real power. Scholars believe that uh, he actually had probably elevated himself so much to the level of being a false messiah. Because remember, these are the Jewish peoples in Samaria, in the, in the midst there, right? They had their own temple with which they believed that they were worshiping Yahweh. The, father, you know, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. 
And so he rose up probably after Jesus had left and said, hey, I'm back. And he was doing all these real miracles, these real power uh, expeditions. Magic. I want to talk about a couple of these words here. Magic and sorcery, witchcraft, idolatry. So magic is a right or rights ordinarily used to influence or control transcendent powers. It is not calling upon or manifesting, drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit, resulting from offering devotion and worship to Yahweh, but rather calling upon or manifesting, drawing upon the power of demonic powers, resulting from offering devotion and worship to demonic spirits and the gods of this world. That's magic. It's actual real power that people in this world really wield. Here are things about like hearing about things like astral projection and and summoning spirits and having this this um, actually there's a lady at the at the coffee shop that I go to um, that actually is is a witch. She manifests and calls upon malevolent. I'm sorry, benevolent. She calls them benevolent spirits. And, you know, she like burns like sage and does all these rituals and stuff in order to ward off the malevolent spirits. Because that's the thing. People, even people in the world know the difference between good and bad spirits. They just have different methods. And here's the thing. They, they can never stop. They can never stop trying to ward them off because their power is little. Whereas the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is eternal. And the deliverance that he gives is long-lasting. Because people in that world, in, in, which, in witchcraft and new age, with their crystals and all sorts of stuff, everything they do and they practice is a temporary fix. It may be to ward off the malevolent spirits and the evil, evil spirits and the gods, but they have no power to withstand them. They have no power to push them back. No matter how much sage they burn, and we're going to get in more into this next week. But you know, sorcery—you mean to speak or to do or to you know using you know cantations or or you know, liquids or objects to create a desired spiritual or physical outcome, not prescribed by Yahweh in His Word, not trusting in God. This is one who practices magic by using occult formulas and mystic mutterings. And witchcraft or an idolatry is trusting in the gods of this world or through self-worship, divination, or alchemy. And so I want to talk about, so this, this is something for us to, to write down or at least remember, that there are three levels of spiritual warfare found in the scriptures. Number one is a ground level spiritual warfare. This is your demons or your... Um, or the, you know, the unclean spirits as Jesus was delivering and casting out demons. Unclean spirits. As even in our passage here, uh, in verse, you know, four, was it four through, through eight? Says, and many spirit, and this unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice of those who were possessed. This still happens today, like I said. And the, one of the things that, so there's a, there was a movie that, that came out just a few, you know, about a couple months ago or so called Come Out in Jesus' Name. And they showed people manifesting demons in the middle of this worship session. 
And what they don't show you, I think they show you one time in the movie itself, but he's like, the majority of these deliverance and, and uh, ex- basically exorcisms, um, especially in clo- behind closed doors in his office, most of them result in, in vomit. The person vomits on the ground. Like the, the, the demon comes out, kicking and, literally kicking and screaming on its way out. And it jars the person's body. This is a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And so this is where we talk about, like, this is the healing and the, the prayer and, and the anointing. You know, anointing with oil, with, with, with anointing oil, right? So they, you know, when you anoint them and they, and they manifest the demon and it comes out. This is the personal one-on-one deliverance. Number two is the occult level. So this is where we're at kind of with this. Sorcery and magic, witches, witchcraft, new age channelers and shamans. Uh, this is, you know, things like yoga and mandalas and mudras. I don't know if you know, this is like when you like see people, you know, meditating like with their fingers like this. And sometimes you'll even see them with different, you know, different hand movements and, and positions. Those are called mudras. And it's the way that they believe that they're, in, they're channeling spiritual energy. So even this right here is, is, is a channeling a spiritual energy when they're, when they're meditating. Physiologically and spiritually. And, and many of the other things. And number three, strategic level. And this is also what we're talking about in this passage here today. Principalities and powers, territorial spirits. These are the, as scripture calls them, and it talks about in here, these are the fallen little gods that are above the angels and archangels. Little little breakdown. I think I may have mentioned this in the past, but this just as a as a small breakdown. If you want to write this on your papers, so this is the the spiritual hierarchy in the unseen realms. So you have Yahweh God, you have the four living creatures, and then you have what are called in Scripture Elohim, the sons of God. Half of the time Elohim is used to refer to God Himself, to Yahweh. The other half of the time they're used. It's used to refer to this council of heavenly beings that you'll see in Deuteronomy 32, uh, 8 and 9, and you'll also see it in Job 1 and 2. Um, you'll see this council all throughout Scripture. Um, and so this is that council, and the majority of these Elohim fell. When God placed them over you know, at, at Babel, when he separated the, the people of the world into different languages, he put over them one of these sons of God, one of these heavenly council beings. And the majority of them fell. They enjoyed the worship and they received it. These are the gods that we're talking about. This is Zeus. This is Osiris, Isis, Jupiter. This is Poseidon. This, these are the little g gods. These are the gods of the Celtic. These are the, it's Aphrodite. We're talking, you know, and we're talking about, you know, Odin and Thor. These are real deities that really exist. All the mythologies are real. I know that's going to take a while to sit in. All of the mythologies that you ever have heard about are real. They are the evil, fallen, demonic, little g-gods that fell from glory and took a third of the angels with them. And this is now what we call demons. Unclean spirits. And then under these, this Elohim, this council, are the archangels and the angels, and then you have the spirits. This is like when, when God said, who am I going to, I want to send a, de- a deceiving spirit to Saul. 
who will I send? And the Spirit came forward. So there are even spirits under the angels. And again, so there's a bunch of cards back there. If you don't have my number, let's have a conversation. Let's have some coffee this, this week. I know that all of this is, yeah, a lot. I'm trying, this is, this is light. <laughs> but this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about this, this, this level that starts in the strategic level that this man has, has probably given himself to the territorial spirit, to this little G God that they worshipped in this region that had authority and power over this region. And he's manifesting it through sorcery and magic and bewitching the people. And in our world, the occult and, and, these, and these principalities manifest themselves all the time, even in America. But we just don't think that it's manifestation. Why? Because it feels so common. Because evil doesn't always or often even feel evil. What do we expect? We expect the, you know, the red guy with the horns and the pitchfork and rah, you know, the, you know, the, the Dante's Inferno with the, you know, different levels of hell and fire and brimstone. But that comes often, most in our culture, through sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes, real, really, rainbows. Evil most often comes as an angel of light. Because Lucifer means light bearer. So it doesn't come in through in, in this darkness or this evil feel like this. Often comes as an angel of light to be trusted, to be accepted. Beautiful. As the violin says, Lucifer, you are the most beautiful of all. He wouldn't come as ugly. He's beautiful. So beautiful deceivers come through beauty. So evil is often beautiful, colorful, ornate, intricate, poetic, and attractive. Masquerades as good and benevolent. This is why we must walk by the Spirit through faith every day. We can't just, oh, it's beautiful, therefore it must be of God. No. The number one way Satan deceives is not through a dramatic opposite end falsity. It's by something almost true. It feels mostly true. Oh, it's, or as I like to say, it's not a big deal. That is the most wide open door for the enemy in your life, in my life, in in his church, in God's church. is to say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And that's why the question like, is it okay to do this or that can be so dangerous? Can I still do yoga and practice mudras if I'm a Christian? And I would say... Stay as far away as you can. Can you exercise by doing yoga? Yeah, it's fine. Like you're not conjuring the demon in your, in your body necessarily. But why would you want to participate in something that where people do? And that's the exact tool that they use to get the demons into their bodies. Because every one of the yoga positions is a position that, that is mimicking one of their gods. Every single, the dog, cobra, everything is symbolic. What's that? Oh, serious listening. Yeah, serious listening, yeah. 
Yeah, every single position in yoga is positioning yourself into the position of a Hindu god. And you are inviting the presence of that god into your body when you work with it. You can't accidentally you know, bring a demon into your body. This is something that I've you know, heard recently by a fellow brother who used to conjure demons. And he has the demons tattooed on his, on his skin. On his, on his skin. He used to, but he, now he worships the Lord and he is the most passionate lover of Jesus I've ever known in my life. And one of the closest and most beautiful friends. My friend Philip. Philip Smith. And he said, no, you can't accidentally conjure a demon into your body. It's always in, on, on purpose and intentional. But yoga is the tool that the Hindus use in order to manifest and, and welcome possession by demons. So why would we want to encounter the tool that pagans use to invite demons into their body? Why would I want to put myself, my, my body, into a position of one of their gods? Why would I want to invite that oppression into my life, into my family? I wouldn't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> but it all starts with that little word, that little phrase, no big deal. Little by little is how the enemy comes into your life. Until, and that's probably what happened with Simon. Little by little, little by little, until the evil becomes so common that you think that you've convinced yourself that they are not evil. This is where addictions come from. It's the mentality behind addictions. It's not the big deal. I have what? Control. Nope. Well, as soon as you think that you have control, it has control of you. It's got control of you. And this is the same thing about apathy. Apathy is an addiction to comfort. Apathy is using the same justification as a drug addict. Oh, I've got control. I can do this. I can do that. No, that's when it's got a hold of you. That's when comforts are now your God. But God. In our passage here today, but God, the people believed the gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he preached it. Yes, they saw the signs and the wonders, but the signs and the wonders are always a precedence. They set the groundwork for the proclamation of the word of God. If there's signs and wonders, but no word of God, reject the signs and wonders. Completely reject them. Because as I said in, in the scriptures, for the days will come when there will be you know, false signs and false wonders. And how do you know the false signs and false wonders? Well, people are walking. People are being healed of blindness. People are, are gaining, regaining their sight. Because the word of God doesn't follow it. Signs and wonders always precede the preaching of the word of God. They always precede the gospel of Jesus Christ. This happens so that they will receive this. They will receive Jesus, the author and the perfecter of their faith and the power behind their healing. So if you see a great sign of wonder, but you don't hear the gospel preached, walk away. Or preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and steal what the enemy thought you know, was going to use for evil and you use it for good. The Holy Spirit of Yahweh is given to lead us to eternal life and true flourishing by bringing us back into the family life with Yahweh, 
our Heavenly Father and our big brother, Jesus Christ? The answer to all of life, all of the greatest trials, all the greatest struggles, all of the greatest questions is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to, again, reiterate one of the, 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 the commands, if you will, and instructions that have been most given in all of the Bible. Do not fear. We can research all we want about the, the spiritual realm and the gods and, the, and, the, and the, all these things. Do not fear or be afraid of them for your heavenly Father's with you. Amen. Do not fear for Yahweh, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and your soul, the one who came to earth, who died on the cross for your sins and who gave, gave of you his Holy Spirit to be upon you as the seal of your salvation is with you. So you can walk out that door confident in your faith, confident in your salvation, confident in the power of Yahweh that is within you and upon you. Believe that. Place your full faith in that. So what do we do with this? Pray for people. Oftentimes we think that we're just speaking words into nothing and our prayers don't really matter. What is it? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its working. Pray. Pray Keep praying, pray some more, pray again, pray always. And again, I say it, pray, rejoice. And I guess I say it, rejoice. Don't fear, for God is with you. And when you pray and you bring your supplications to God, he will hear you. And he will work. He will move. He will deliver. And here's the thing. God may be saying to you in your prayers, be ready for me to use you. And wait on the Lord and see how, how can God use you for his glory, for his goodness. Pray for people. Speak the word of God through God's love. This will manifest in your life as the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And all the different ways that it manifests itself through joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are expressions of love, of agape. And this is what Simon encountered was the radical, not just the power of God, but the love of God. And walk in this, in this life confident in your faith because the Holy Spirit of Yahweh is better and more powerful than anyone or anything else in this world. Holy Spirit, 
Holy Spirit, come upon your people. Fill us, Lord Jesus, with your presence. Fill us with your power and your wisdom. Lead us, guide us. In the midst of a culture that is becoming more and more reticently available and willing to manifest the evil unseen realm. Lord, be with us as you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, help us to persevere. As it says all through Revelation, Lord, let us be those who conquer. Let us have ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us, your church. Guide us, Lord. Fill us with your presence. Uplift us, encourage us. Help us to have joy in your presence. And Lord, we pray for the manifestation of your Spirit through love. Let love be shown to all and experienced by all in your church. A peace beyond understanding. A great hope in times of great trial. Build us up, Lord Jesus. Make our foundation in you firm and resolute. Lord, strengthen us for the call that you have on each one of our lives. And draw us in to stay faithful to you, Lord God, and not be pulled away into myths and into worship of other gods. But help us to be faithful to you, Lord Jesus, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Draw close to us, God, as we draw close to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.